And a very good morning to you. Welcome to the Papers podcast for Monday morning, the 4th of March, 2024. You need the long johns, you need thermal underwear this morning in the northwest in any case. It's pretty chilly, but it is dry, thank goodness for that. And strangely enough, it's 6.14am right now as I do this, as I record this, and dawn is breaking, so it's getting brighter that bit earlier, which is fantastic. Hope you had a nice weekend. I'm going straight to the front pages of the newspapers. The Times. Hunt looks for £9 billion or £9 billion to balance his budget. So again, the spring budget will be announced by the Chancellor this coming Wednesday around lunchtime. Number of newspapers leading with projections, predictions even, as to what Hunt is going to do. Expectations for Wednesday's budget continue. Say the Times, um, it claims Hunt will, um, hopes, or he still hopes, to introduce a 2p cut in national insurance by finding £9 billion worth of spending cuts and other tax rises. A Treasury source is quoted by the Times saying... With little room for manoeuvre, we are having to look at everything to make this work. The paper also says Hunt doesn't plan to spread the tax cut across both national insurance and income tax, as he had reportedly been considering because cutting national insurance is cheaper. The budget. The budget. The eye. Let's have a look at the eye. Hunt fuels Tory jitters over election budget light on tax cuts. The eye says that Hunt is causing a bit of squirming in his own party by playing down expectations of significant tax cuts in the budget. Talked about this on this podcast and on the Richie Allen radio show. It's considered to be this budget announcement by Hunt on Wednesday, the last chance saloon for the Tory party. It trails the Labour Party, whichever poll you look at, by 20 to 25 points. And the old backbenchers, uh, the Tory backbenchers were like, well, if he announces really significant tax cuts, it might give us the boost we need to maybe hold on in the election whenever that comes. The Daily Express, can Hunt and PM pull Rabbit out of hat is the question. We'll leave that there because it's obvious. There's also a photograph of Charles and Camilla on the front page of the Express. Apparently, the Australian government is expecting, irregardless, irrespective of his cancer diagnosis, the Australian government is expecting a royal visit from him sometime this year. The Guardian budget plan risks forcing UK into second lost decade. Hunt is warned. The Mirror, as there's a photograph of Hunt carrying that red briefcase, the price of Tory tax bribes is the claim. The front page of the mirror claims schools, hospitals, the armed forces, councils, police, prisons, courts and hospices are in crisis and calls the situation the price of Tory tax bribes. The Daily Telegraph headline is not about the budget, you'll be glad to hear, but it isn't great either. Police solve no burglaries in half of country. I've had personal experience of this. Not the burglaries. We've not been burgled. 
touch wood, but neighbours of mine back in Fallowfield were burgled and the old Greater Manchester Police didn't give an arse. Next door neighbour burgled. Police didn't even turn up. That's the Telegraph. We'll come back to that in a minute. The Daily Mail. Cash for care jobs visa scam. This is a big exclusive by the Daily Mail's investigations unit. And I will come back to it. It says its own undercover probe by its own reporters has found that rogue fixers are charging unqualified migrants up to 20 grand for work permits to fill vacancies in the care sector. What a scandal that is. We'll come back to it. The Metro. Anxiety drug debts soar. We'll definitely come back to that. Every paper, all the Sundays went with it yesterday. They're going with it again today. It's about a highly addictive drug which has been prescribed for eight and a half million uh, Brits, basically. Um, It has been linked to the fastest rising death toll of any medication in Britain. We'll come back uh, to that. Financial Times, Saudis and Russians lead OPEC push on oil prices by extending output cuts. Uh, We'll leave that. The Daily Star has a photograph of a man. It's mocked up and he is... He is lounging on, lying back on, a lot of Big Mac burgers. The headline is The Big Mac Daddy. It's about Don Gorsk, or Dorsky. He's the man who holds the world record for eating the most Big Macs. He has extended his record after eating his 34,000 Big Mac burger. I'm amazed he's alive, to be honest, this guy. Uh, He's cut back, though, apparently, from eating nine burgers a day to only Two, the Daily Star, yeah, never fails to amaze me. This is the papers, let's go inside, and there are some massively important stories inside today. We're going to kick off with the Times. Are you paying attention? Do pay attention. Because this is not good. Headline, groups undermining British values to be guilty of extremism. Yeah. Ministers are to broaden the government's definition of extremism as part of a crackdown on people and groups, quote, undermining Britain's institutions and values. I'd like you to hold on to institutions and values in your mind, please. How could you undermine a British institution or British values? Sunak has asked Michael Gove, the levelling up secretary, to update the government's definition of extremism, which was first set out more than a decade ago. It defines extremism as, quote, vocal or active opposition to fundamental British values. Again, vocal. Vocal. Declaring yourself to be in opposition to something that has been declared as a value or an institution. Expressing yourself saying, I don't approve, I don't like, I don't think this is very good. Keep it in mind. A new definition which is still being finalised is expected to cover those whose actions more broadly undermine the country's institutions or values. The Times says, the change is significant as groups or individuals deemed to be extremists by ministers can be excluded from government and council funding and barred from working with public bodies. Wow. Capital W-O-W. Wow. Right? 
vocally opposing British values or institutions can lead to an individual or a group to be labelled as extremist by government ministers, meaning that they can be excluded from funding, either national or local funding, and barred from working with any public bodies. We're, we're really here now. I've been warning about this for years, right? Now, the Times says senior Whitehall sources say the announcement expected later this month would include a list of groups that fell foul of the new definition, but added that this was still being worked on and was legally fraught. That's a quote. So they're going to update this definition and announce it late in March. And they're also going to include a list of groups that fall foul of the new definition, but that it is legally fraught. I've been warning about this for years, long before the COVID scam. Okay, Orwell would be rubbing his hands with glee. That they will say, we have fundamental values in this country and institutions, and that vocal or active opposition to our values and our institutions will constitute extremism when we say it does. So Michael Gove is expected to announce details of a government unit for combating extremism. And the unit will provide leadership and training for officials across government departments to improve their ability to identify signs and instances of extremism. The Nazis would be proud of this, wouldn't they? Eh? The unit is also expected to assess whether individuals or groups have breached the new definition and will collect data and research to inform counter-extremism policies. And the Times says these moves follow Sunak's pledge on Friday to face down the extremists who would tear us apart. And of course, Sunak didn't name or identify any extremists on Friday because he can't. They want the extremists to be anybody or any group that they decide at the drop of a hat are extremist. It is absolutely horrendous, this. And, you know, there's abs- there's nothing in it. There's, there's not even a smirk. You know, having been broadcasting for years warning about this. What they are saying is now, extremism is what we say it is. Speaking out, criticising what we decide are British values or our institutions will be defined as and when we choose. Values, what constitutes a typical British value? I leave that one open-ended. Institution, well, the institutions are the government, the NHS, the monarchy, the police, you could say the armed forces, are the institutions of the, the country. So will criticising vaccine rollouts that are playing fast and loose with the health and safety of the public Will that be constituted or will that be deemed to be extremist? The answer is yes. It will, of course, constitute extremism. Criticism of a medical policy pushed by the government on the public will be deemed as extremism. And I'm right. I'm not, this is not, you know, this is not subjective reading of this. This is exactly what it says on the tin. It's horrendous, isn't it? And it's ultimately how they will go after opposition to Agenda 2030 
and the Great Reset on the internet. This is how they will do it. You know, criticism of, I mean, so the government declares that Israel is a legitimate state and has every right to defend itself against the Palestinian people. So vocally opposing the government's stance on the Israel-Palestine question could constitute extremism and could lead to severe consequences for the person who is now an extremist. It's incredibly mad, this. And there's no opposition to it. You might have Toby Young's free speech union whinging about it, but probably not, because all of the talk around this is being centred around Gaza at the moment. So you'll probably get nothing from Toby Young, you know, who's all for free speech when it suits him. Uh, no, it's horrendous. We'll leave that. That's in the Times today. It's the biggest story of the week, that. The Telegraph led with this. Police solved no burglaries in half of the country. Police have failed to solve a single burglary in nearly half of all neighbourhoods in England and Wales in the past three years, despite pledging to attend the scene of every domestic break-in to boost detection rates. As the Telegraph has analysed police data, showing that no burglaries were solved in 48% of neighbourhoods, areas covering between 1,000 and 3,000 people in the past three years. In October 2022, all 43 police chiefs in England and Wales made the landmark promise to attend every break-in. Home Office figures showed that the proportion of burglaries resulting in a charge fell in the following year to 3.9%, fewer than one in 25 reported burglaries. That was down from 4.6% in 2022. In the worst hotspots covering areas of up to 6,000 people, more than 150 cases have gone unsolved in the past three years, prompting warnings by victims, campaigners and policing experts that burglary, burglary, burglary yes, has been effectively decriminalised in parts of the UK. And the article quotes Dame Vera Baird, the former victims commissioner. Uh, she says what these figures show is that in half of the neighbourhoods, burglaring somebody's home, burgling somebody's home is a free hit. The criminal can walk away with the proceeds and never look back, she said. Went on to say how traumatising it is and upsetting for people. It can make them afraid to leave their home in case it happens again. It's horrendous. And yet the police are actively scrolling and trolling, not trolling, trolling, people's social media accounts to find instances of hate speech. You know, I'm, I know this is, a, is, is, is maybe a cheap shot at police forces up and down the country. It might be seen as a cheap shot, but it isn't. It's a fact. We know that people have had their collars felt, as it were. We know that people have had a knock on the door from the old bill when they've um, misgendered somebody on the internet. They won't turn up the burglaries. We lived next door in Fallowfield five years ago to a woman who worked as a lecturer at Manchester University. She had her, uh, 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 her house was broken into. She had a lot of jewellery taken. Most of it, sentimental, had belonged to her dear old mum. Police never showed up. Didn't give a shit. Told her to get in touch with the insurance company. Didn't give a damn. Nobody came out to look for fingerprints or any signs, you know, any, any, any signs... That, 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 what am I looking for here now? Anything similar that might give them an idea that maybe the person who committed that burglary maybe committed a burglary maybe further down the road. Didn't come and dust for prints, nothing. Just get on with it, love. Yeah, and that was five years ago. You know I've had a couple of incidences 
with the police failing to investigate a hit and run. And I'll just leave that one there. Here's a very important story in The Guardian. It's uh, Richard Luscombe, the Guardian's guy in, in America, on the east coast of America, right? Headline, Florida is swamped by disease outbreaks as quackery replaces science. Luscombe in Miami for The Guardian. So this is a hit piece on Joseph, I don't know how you pronounce this, it's pronounced L-A-D-A-P-O, Ladapo, would it be Ladapo, Ladapo, let's say Ladapo, Joseph Ladapo, sounds Italian maybe, I don't know, he's Florida's Surgeon General, and just before he was sworn in in 2022, the New Yorker ran a column, a sarcastic column, welcoming him to his new role, but it was sarcasm, because he's a vaccine sceptic doctor, and he's talked previously about using leeches in treatment. So Luscombe, writing for The Guardian today, has written this article, this hit piece on Joseph Ladapo, Florida Surgeon General, saying that this guy is putting people's lives at risk because of his approach to measles. Right? So he writes in The Guardian, this guy, Luscombe, but now with an entirely preventable outbreak of measles spreading across Florida, medical experts are questioning if quackery really has become official state health policy in the nation's third most populous state. As the highly contagious disease raged in Broward County, um, Ladapo, a politically appointed acolyte of Florida's far-right governor, Ron DeSantis, wrote to parents telling them it was perfectly fine to send in their unvaccinated children. So he wrote to parents Ladapo and said, don't worry about the measles outbreak. If your kids are not vaccinated, don't worry about it. Send them into school, he wrote. You know, they might get measles and if they do, they'll get over it and they'll have immunity to it. And of course, this is how our doctors approached measles for generations, for generations. And none of us, at least I don't remember anyway, and I have looked into this, you know, I have contacted primary schools in Waterford, including the one I went to, St. Saviour's National School, over the years to say, do we remember any children dying from measles? The answer was overwhelmingly no. No, 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 no kid died of measles. So this guy has been saying to parents, yes, yeah, send them in, don't worry about it. So the article quotes Robert Spieth, who's a doctor, who's basically accused this guy of murder, Ladapo, the Surgeon General, saying that his statements are more political than medical, and he's doing a horrible disservice to the citizens of Florida. He's somebody whose job is to protect public health, and he's doing the exact opposite. And the article goes on to uh, criticise Ladapo for advising people not to have mRNA COVID-19 boosters, because they may be dangerous, which, which they are. Jesus Christ. I can't believe I'm even reading this. So you have a Surgeon General who appears to be an old school doctor, you know. Yeah, the measles, they should get it. They should get it. Natural immunity, blah, blah, blah. Generations of practice, that's how it went. And he said, you've got to be a little bit concerned about these COVID boosters. We don't know an awful lot about them long term. And they may alter human DNA and they may potentially cause cancer, he has said. And now they've... um, They've, they've, you've got the White House COVID response coordinator criticising this guy as well. So it's a hit piece on a doctor, which I, I find very interesting, especially today when you look at that extremism story in the Times, labelling it extremist. Uh, 
telling parents to do what we've done for generations. That is uh, Richard Luscombe writing in The Guardian about Florida's Surgeon General. TheGuardian.com forward slash UK if you want to read it. Here's The Express. Let's look inside The Express. UK terror threat at the highest level since 9-11 with extremists using Gaza war to recruit. That's the claim. Is there any evidence in The Express? No, there isn't. The article reads, The threat of a terrorist attack in the UK has risen sharply due to the war in Gaza, according to a warning from senior security officials to MPs. There's a, quote, real risk, end quote, of a coordinated attack, as well as a lone wolf attack, one insider claimed. Parliamentarians have been told that the war in the Middle East has been a recruitment advert for global terror organisations. According to the Mail Online, an MP in the know regarding the recent briefing said, quote, the level of extremist chatter is off the scale. This is something they've seen growing and growing. Referring to intelligence from the last fortnight, they added, quote, it's like when the Twin Towers came down in 2001, there was a big spike of hate. A spike of hate. Again, Orwell would be rubbing his hands with glee. Listen to the language. A big spike of hate. What the fuck does that even mean? The answer is it means nothing. It isn't meant to mean anything. It is meant not to be discussable. There's no such word as discussable. You're not meant to be able to debate this stuff because it doesn't mean anything. It's word salad, isn't it? A big spike of hate. It's Orwellian language. What do you mean by that? Hate. What does that mean? Hate. What does it mean? Do you mean people going on the internet and criticising the foreign policy of Britain, of the United States, of France? Is that what you mean? Is that what you mean? Sending money and weapons to extremist groups, real extremist groups, genuine ones, that you have fostered and nurtured and trained and armed. I'm talking about Wahhabist head choppers that you get to do your business in the Middle East on your behalf. Is that what you mean? That there was a lot of chatter about that. But that's exactly what it means. So they quote Robert Jenrick, former immigration minister, saying that intelligence services and police forces are too stretched to handle, quote, the cancer of Islamist extremism, end quote. Amazing, this. There is a high chance of both a 7-7 style attack or a lone wolf attack like Lee Rigby's killers, according to uh, a source um, at the Home Office. Speaking to the Express today, more fear-mongering. 30-plus thousand people have been massacred in Gaza, including 15,000 children. Discussing it, criticising it, or the UK government's response to it, the UK government's failure to do anything about Israel, is extremism now, you see. Something needs to be done about it. Let's look inside the mail and the mail's lead story today, which is a big story. It's a big headline. Exclusive. Cash for care jobs scandal exposed. What is this all about? Well, I tell you what, if you have an elderly relative in care, you might want to read this or listen to it. You'll find it online, dailymail.co.uk. Vulnerable care residents are being looked after by unqualified migrants as rogue operators exploit home office loopholes, a mail investigation shows. Scant checks in the desperate bid to fill huge vacancies mean untrained and overworked staff, sometimes barely able to speak English, 
are left caring for the elderly in the understrain sector. Our probe into the Cash for Care job scandal found some outfits charge overseas applicants work finder fees of up to £20,000 to help them get a visa, allowing them to come and stay here. One advisor, a Baptist minister, told an undercover reporter that for £9,000 he could help her arrange a job in just three days with a 100% success guaranteed. A watchdog warned there had been widespread abuse of the system since early 2022 after ministers relaxed immigration rules to plug mass job vacancies. Vacancies in adult social care hit a record 164,000 in 2021-2022, prompting the government to lower the barrier for such staff to be allowed to work in the UK. The change meant the total number of foreign workers given permission to come to Britain rocketed to a record high last year. Figures revealed, uh, these figures came out last week, driven by a 349% rise in care worker visas to more than 89,000. And the largest numbers come from India, Nigeria and Zimbabwe. Alongside the unprecedented surge of overseas alongside the unprecedented surge of overseas workers into the sector, the relaxation of rules also saw an explosion in shady characters making a fortune treating migrant care staff as cash cows by making them pay often huge fees, the gang masters and labour abuse authority said. First I heard of that particular authority the Gangmasters and Labour Abuse Authority. Campaigners called for the Home Office uh, to urgently introduce more checks on foreign workers to stop their exploitation and protect those they care for. Whistleblowers uh, providing care services for the NHS described seeing applicants arrive with holdalls stuffed full of cash to pay for jobs which were handed over at clandestine meetings. It's astonishing. And who suffers ultimately? The poor old dear or the old granddad in the care home who has now got somebody completely unqualified to be looking after them and who can barely speak English and in many cases cannot speak English. It's astonishing, you know, by people who have got to try and find £20,000 now. They've probably borrowed it to give it to these dodgy providers in order to get the visa and the job. So the it's wide open for the abuse of the elderly person living in the care home, isn't it? For them to be physically abused by the totally unqualified person who can speak English or barely speak English at all. Shocking stuff that. It's in the Daily Mail again, dailymail.co.uk. And here's a huge story. Everybody's going with it today, the mirror. It's about a drug, a, a, a drug, a drug called Pegabalin an anti-anxiety drug taken by millions of Brits. Eight million Brits had this um, prescribed to them. And it has been linked to 3,400 deaths in five years. It was prescribed for anxiety, epilepsy and nerve pain, among other um, ailments. Okay, It was licensed pegabalin in 2004 for epilepsy, then for neuropathic or nerve pain, and in the past decade, it has begun to be prescribed for anxiety off-label. 
However, several people uh, have complained at getting hooked on it and have claimed it caused them mood swings. So every newspaper, the Mail, the Times, the Eye paper, the Metro, are all going with this uh, warning about this drug because it is still being prescribed and it is linked to thousands of deaths. Pegabalin. You might want to, you know, check what your extended family, what treatments they're on, what drugs they're on, because they might not see this story. Peter Gordon, a consultant psychiatrist just retired, based in Scotland, he's been writing about this drug for several years and other mood-altering drugs, and says um, that when it was launched, there was heavy, heavy marketing from the drugs companies to the psychiatrists. And again, we talk about the medicines... Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency here in the UK, the MHRA, the regulatory body which is meant to protect people from dodgy and dangerous drugs reaching the marketplace and being prescribed. And um, they're asleep on their watch, aren't they? It's incredible. Uh, There's a story inside the Telegraph about a man filming in a woman's toilet being arrested but but telling police he identifies as a woman. Uh, The Telegraph going with J.K. Rowling says it's happened again as man caught filming in toilets identified as a woman. number of papers talk about Kamala Harris. She's Joe Biden's vice president. She's the vice president, Kamala Harris. Uh, she's been criticising over the weekend or overnight the Israeli government and accused them of uh, a catastrophe in Gaza and not doing enough to prevent a civilian death. She wants an immediate six weak ceasefire in Gaza to stop more debts and to allow more aid to get in. That's uh, in most of the papers and on the BBC News website. Um, Nikki Haley defeats Trump in Washington DC primary. She was bound to win one eventually, wasn't she, Nikki Haley? Doesn't matter. Trump will be the Republican nominee. Nothing is going to stop that now. And is there anything else on the BBC website? Not really. Warning, cost of living fund closure catastrophic. A lot of stories about the cost of living crisis ahead of Wednesday's budget, of course. That is it for the papers today, Monday the 4th of March 2024. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thanks for downloading it. And you might want to share it with others. Let them know about it. The Richie Allen Radio Show will be online today at 4 o'clock UK time, 4 o'clock. It's an interactive, very interactive live radio show, so do download the app for the programme and get involved, have your say during the two hours. Until then, from your BBG, Sloan Tom, bye. (laughs) 